If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guests and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. It's another episode of We're Talking Shift. Today, I think, with the help of my lovely producer, Christy, I'm going to just address a few of the very common questions and challenges that have been, um, that I guess a lot of my clients and, and a lot of people in general have been getting over the past year. So I thought it would be good to just tackle a few of the main ones. Um, I think they're up for a lot of us. And let's talk through them and see if maybe you can gain a few tips or some more insight to help you or somebody you know that might be dealing with some of these same questions and challenges. Christy, how are you today? Well, I'm great, Lori. Thank you so much for asking. I always love to sit down with you and I get to be, when I get to be a part of this, especially uh, because I get to pick your brain a little bit too. And um, hint, hint, I had a little, uh, a little hint on what we were going to be covering today. And I know that these are the main questions that I'm really thinking right now in this time of uncertainty. And so I know that everybody else is too. And this is going to be one of those where there are tons of takeaways. So well, I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah, you know, this is stuff that people have been dealing with now for over a year. And I think even though a lot of people have gotten through a lot of the challenges, but they're with that have come some new challenges um, and some new decisions to make. So anyway, let's just let's just talk about what really is I think our individual responsibilities. Um, that's what it's all going to boil down to, but we're just going to dive in. Okay. First question. The world is such a mess and it seems like everything in my life has been turned upside down. I'm stressed and tired of waiting for things to get straightened out so I can get my life back on track. How can I get back to normal and feel like I have my life under control? That's all we want is just to feel normal, right? Yeah, I think people people want to feel, well, they want to feel the version of normal that they had before because that's what's familiar. And so now for a lot of people, there isn't going back to that same that same circumstance, you know, or the same environment or the same way of doing things or working that they that they had before. So, um, you know, getting comfortable with the idea of creating a new normal, first of all, is really important. Um, I mean, nothing stays the same forever. And so now we've had a massive shift and um, you, you just, I think a lot of it is just, just get with, just get with it. Just don't resist it so much. Just be like, what can I do that makes me feel like I'm not in a constant state of resistance because that's a place where you really get stuck in, right? We're all about how do we get unstuck? And I think the 
I think when you feel like you can't control other things, like if, you know, if it's about your work and you're kind of at the mercy of an employer or, you know, there's stuff going on with health issues. I mean, there's just so much going on that you feel like is out of your control. Um, the best place I think to start is for people, we all need to get our own house in order. We all need to start with what can I do just for myself? And that means my environment too. My environment meaning my body, my physical environment of my body, and then outward. So my entire outer world. So your body and your house, um, you're in, wherever you are spending a lot of time. So we have, <laughs> we have a tendency to want the best version of things going on out there. We want the best version of stuff going on in our community and in our, our neighborhood, our community, our, our state, our country. And we want to see the best version of other people all the time. But, but we all have to focus on being, you know, the best version of ourselves. We are often not demonstrating the best version of ourselves, but yet we want everybody else to be doing that. And we want, you know, everything else to be going really well out there. Meanwhile, you know, we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not taking care of our home environment, you know, whatever. So. Right. And we're also using what's going on right now. And in the past year, year and a half or so as an excuse to not be the best version of ourselves. I know I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I mean, and it's 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 not a hard thing to do. I, you know, it's easy to kind of slide into those new patterns um, when you feel like all of a sudden, you know, you're playing you're playing hooky. It's like when you were a kid, remember, and you used to have. Well, yeah, I know you know. In Minnesota, we'd have snow days, right? Where Yay. it's like you're getting up, you're getting ready for school, and all, and the news is on because you're looking at the weather, and all of a sudden, yep, schools are canceled, the buses aren't running, right? And so it's been like it's been like a year and a half long snow. Day day. And, right. you know, those are, those are fun for a while. And then pretty soon you're like, okay, it's, uh, I've seen it's this a, episode of Maury enough. already. <laughs> <laughs> right. Enough is enough. So I think that, um, yeah, you really need to get your own house in order and stop focusing on everything that's going on out there with other things and other people. Um, it's just out there is a reflection of what's going on in here. So you have to do your own work. You need to get your mind and your body and your spirit, uh, whatever you want to call that. Maybe you, maybe you don't believe it's a spirit. Maybe you believe it's just your personality. Whatever you want to call that, that part of you that's the I. You need to get those things in alignment, right? I mean, if you are, if you are maybe doing something like you're educating yourself, you're learning a lot, but you've completely neglected your body and now you are feeling, you know, out of shape and you're feeling low energy and lethargic and you are not able to rise to the challenge of something that you need to do or you're not able to get excited about doing something you think about it in your mind you're really excited about doing something but your body's like no i don't think so i'm just not doing it so you know 
<laughs> that's that mm -hmm. couch potato syndrome that you're talking about. You know, uh, when we yeah. when we don't do anything, we just want to do more nothing, right? Is that like human nature or something? I don't know. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's 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 you know, it's momentum. It's just yes. momentum. It, once you get momentum going in one direction, unless you unless you make a very um, deliberate attempt to change it, it just keeps going that way. So that's why as we get older, if you think in your mind that old age looks like what your grand grandparents look like, and you expect there to be certain health issues that you're going to have to deal with, and you expect that you're going to get older and weaker and more feeble and less capable, then you will talk yourself into allowing that to happen, and you will have momentum going in that direction, and you'll create that very scenario. Right. Um, please tell me it's not too late to change that even, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Tell us it's not too late, Lori. It's, it's, it's never too late. It is never too late to change the momentum. It's never too late to stop it in its tracks and start moving it in another direction. The only time it's, it's, uh, it's too late as if you, you know, if you've completely given up, I, but <laughs> I thought you were going to get a little morbid there, Lori, and say like, when it's really, really too late, <laughs> when it's really too late, like when you're, <laughs> when it's really too late, okay. Way too I, late. I don't want to be morbid. <laughs> I don't want to be morbid. It's just, it's never too late. It's never too late to change your mind. Remember that's everybody, Lori is focused on living till she is 110 years old. So if you're looking 12, for a goal to 112. set. 112. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 112. Don't shave off my two, my two right. goldenest years. <laughs> right. They're going to be great. I just know. Uh, <laughs> thank you. All right. So, so that is, um, but that is something that you really want to keep in mind. And we talked about that before, like I've picked how old I want to be. So I'm doing everything right now to make sure that I have momentum going in the direction of how I want to show up at my chosen age. So I have my house in order. I have my environment, my home, what I need, my eating lifestyle, my mind. It's all aligned and in order in order to give me the greatest chance of success at, at achieving that. Make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and we got to get, I got to get my house in order too. You know, I've been working on it thanks to your encouragement, but um, I'm taking notes here and I'm ready for the next step. Okay. <laughs> All right. So next question, how, this kind of ties into the last one. Um, how do we make our lives better? So I think wow, that, you know, what, you know mean, it, it's so general. I think when people are asking you this question that you're getting from your clients all the time, it, it speaks to such kind of a desperation that I think we all have right now where we just want things to be better. You know, it's not even like specifically I need, you know, more love in my relationship or I need more success in my career. Everybody's just like, just make it better, please. You know what I mean? But I think there's a lot of hope in that as well, in that our expectations are kind of low. Like we don't need um, to make these huge changes, right, to start that momentum going in the right way. Like, how do I make my life better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think too, that this is in the context now has become, because of COVID, 
the context of how do we make our lives better is is also taking into account all of the fears of what is happening or not happening in the country right so you know before this it was yes i'm all about you know everyone's all about themselves and their goals and how do i make my life better for me for my family for you know whatever whatever your purpose or your mission is all good all good things but now i think it's the broader thing because there's so much so much fear going on about what is shifting in our society so when we're looking at um, how do we make our lives better in the context of of everyone, of the collective? We're kind of, again, back to a little bit about what we just talked about, but we, we make our lives better collectively by becoming better individually. You can't, you know, you, you can't wait for the masses to all of a sudden you know, um, morph into something that you find better so that you then can feel better. Right. Does that make well, sense yeah, what I, I'm saying? It, it really, really does because I think people aren't always willing to do something for themselves. You know, the the busy mom who has three kids or, or a lot of other people in the world, they just, they don't have the time or the energy to do something for themselves or too busy taking care of everyone else. But when you look at it from a standpoint of doing these things for yourself is doing them for everyone, is doing them for the greater good, is making us all healthier. Uh, that makes it yeah. easier for me to do because it doesn't seem so selfish, right? It's like, oh man, if I don't take care of myself, I'm, I'm not going to be here for the people who I need to take care of. Yeah, you you either aren't going to be here or you're going to be here in a way that becomes a burden. Yes. Maybe to your family, maybe to society at large. So we have a, a lot of we have a lot of individuals that either haven't or, you know, haven't been able to take care of themselves or have chosen a way of life that has become, you know, a burden on their communities or on their families. Um, so we have to, sometimes it's unavoidable, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's a choice. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to pick on those that, you know, are a victim of circumstances of some sort or have made, um, have found themselves in a situation where, you know, it, things just happen. I get that. But majority of the time, um, those are life choices that we make. And so to become better individually requires a, a hunger and a drive to really want to be the best version of yourself that you know how to be. Um, you really want to have that strong desire to find out what your potential is, to keep striving to live up to it, right? In, I mean, in every way that you can think of. That is not a lazy man's game. Number one, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of focus and attention. And like I said, a hunger and a, and a drive to want to become that best version, to want to rise to your full potential. But as we become that, as we become better individually, we naturally then behave better towards other people. And the better that we uh, behave towards each other, the more comfort and peace we all experience. So the collective then becomes better as a whole. So that's how, you know, you can't wait for out there 
to become better first. You, you have to start with yourself in your own house, in your own skin, in your own mind. Mm -hmm. And when each of us tries to do that, then naturally the ripple effect is the collective is all healthier and more peaceful and more joyous. Yeah, there's less anxiety, there's less negativity, there's less victimhood. Yeah. And you know, it feels good to be the person in maybe in the family or in your friend group or whatever, who took the first step, you know, Hey family, we're not going to have pizza anymore on Friday nights. We're only going to have pizza on Saturday nights. And we're going to keep eating well through Friday, you know, Monday through Friday or whatever it is, or, or that's what I'm going to do. And, and you guys are welcome to have a salad with me and pizza tomorrow. If you want, you know, it feels good to kind of be that, that leader, uh, the person who's inspiring others to also do better. Yeah. And that's a really good point because so many times, so many times I just had this same exact conversation a couple of hours ago with the client who said, you know, it's really hard for me um, to do the things that I said I want to do when it comes to, you know, my diet, for example, when no one else around me is doing that. And so, you know, to your point, that can be a challenge. But if you are able to do it, number one, you feel like it's been a huge accomplishment. You feel very proud of yourself that you, you know, stayed the course, whatever your stated action is going to be. And number two, you really do inspire other people. Uh, other people admire it when you stick to your guns. It's, you know, it's a, it's a trait that is an admirable trait that pe everybody would like to have that ability to, you know, maintain their discipline and their willpower about something that, you know, they want to, they want to achieve. So when they see somebody else doing it, it's, it's something they admire and it's encouraging and inspiring to them. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's so much easier to keep with your habits and to stay on that path. If someone is looking to you as an example. Yes, exactly. That works too. Like, oh, I don't want, yeah, I don't want them to Can't see me. Can't mess this up. The kids yeah. are watching. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's a really good point. Um, okay, last question is, I have anxiety about my health more than ever now. How can I get healthier? Healthier. Okay. So rather than talk about the very obvious things like up leveling your diet and your exercise, which, you know, you should do. It's, it's, we've had dozens and dozens of podcasts that talk all about everything from, um, you know, uh, processed food to sugar, to fats and oils, to emotional fitness, to exercise. I mean, we've covered it all uh, in, you know, a lot of different ways. So those things are obvious. Um, but I think what I want to talk about in that context today is I want to talk about the nocebo effect so that you can determine if that has been playing a role in your anxiety about your health. Um, and I, I think this is really important because I think that a lot of people don't really give a lot of thought or realize the effect of the placebo effect and the nocebo effect. It's a very real thing. It's very powerful. And I think just understanding a little bit about it will help somebody 
to sit back and go, you know what, maybe, maybe I have been a little bit of a victim of that. And now you know that you can turn that around. Okay. Right. Or maybe it's something that some of us hear about on the news or we hear Lori Bischoff, life coach, talking about every once in a while. We're not exactly sure what it is. And, um, you know, we haven't asked or Googled it yet. So we really need we this go. information. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So I had actually um, come across a fascinating article about this. Um, it, so I pulled out an excerpt from an article in the International uh, Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. And I'm going to read a few paragraphs about what they say, because it's just so spot on right now. And I think it'll really hit home. Uh, let's see. Okay. In this article... Negative information, which is spread through mass media repetitively, can affect public health negatively in the form of nocebo effects and mass hysteria. In a mass hysteria, people of a group start to believe that they might be exposed to something dangerous, such as a virus or a poison. Hmm. They believe a threat to be real because someone says so or because it fits their experience. Due to the threatening delusion, a large group of people get collectively very upset. In other words, a threat, whether real or imaginary, causes collective anxiety. You think we've had a little of that? Oh, just a tad. Just a tad. All right. The group members may even start to feel sick. Group members might also get symptoms of sickness, including weakness, headaches, or a choking feeling, which are propagated to other persons. When a mass hysteria causes physical symptoms, it is called mass psychogenic illness or epidemic hysteria. These symptoms are caused by the stress and anxiety people experience due to the perceived threat. Mass hysteria is infectious and may be a contributing and amplifying factor in real epidemics. The empirical evidence of mass hysteria, for example, collective anxiety due to a perceived threat, dates back to at least the Middle Ages and continues to numerous cases in modern times. Okay, here's an example of a recent case. <laughs> I can see the looks on your face. Oh, Connecting dots. Of a recent case. <laughs> right. All right. My, uh, my brain is all fired up, Lori. <laughs> right. Okay. A recent case of mass hysteria connected to a virus. On the Emirates flight 203 in September of 2018, some passengers were showing flu-like symptoms. When other passengers observed these symptoms, they started to feel sick as well, and a panic broke out. The panic reached an extent that the whole flight was quarantined once it had reached New York. The investigation after the incident showed that only a few passengers actually had seasonal flu or the common cold. So that's an example of how... <laughs> Some some mass hysteria can develop. Now, all right. Well, that's that's a no. real thing that really happened, and those are real medical yes. tests. The people were tested. They had the flu. Right. They didn't have the flu. They had the symptoms. They didn't have the symptoms. Right. That's inarguable. Yeah. Right. And that's one of thousands of documented examples and studies that have been done. Um, I mean, that's not a study. Obviously, that was a real thing. But but. This is not a new thing, the placebo effect and the nocebo. So, all right, with the placebo effect, 
just so that everybody understands the difference. That's when a person recovers from an illness because they expect to recover. So it's like, you know, I have this condition here, take this pill and the person gets better. Even if the pill is a sugar pill, the belief that they're going to get better is what may, causes them to get better because obviously there was no medicinal effect in a sugar pill. All right. So that's the placebo effect. When a person suffers from a nocebo effect, they get ill because they expect to become ill. So <laughs> due to the nocebo effect, the expectation to become ill can cause real symptoms in a self-fulfilling prophecy. Think hypochondriacs. That's what a hypochondriac does. They're, they they uh, are basically um, embracing or suffering from a nocebo effect. But in this way, a mass hysteria may develop when people believe they will become ill. Anxiety and fear contribute to this process. Indeed, during the Spanish flu in the wake of World War I, panic contributed to a mass hysteria and deaths that otherwise would not have occurred because panic can have a, uh, an adverse effect on people that are already ill. So there were deaths that really wouldn't have to have occurred, but they did because people that were already ill were even more susceptible. So the nocebo effect took hold and you know caused them to die when it's unlikely that they would have. Right. And I think, I mean, there's a lot of people who can probably relate to, we've all had that kind of feeling where your chest gets tight, you're scared of something, you're fearful, or you really are in danger or not. You know, we, we all know that physical response that happens. And, and can you mm -hmm. imagine if you're really, really scared, you think you're going to die, or you think you're going to get terminally ill, how intense that feeling could be. I mean, it, it makes sense. These are human things that we can all go, hey, wait, yeah, I think I've experienced that. Right. Yeah, we've all had that feeling at some point. Um, okay, so once some people develop a hysteria, it can easily spread to other people because fear and anxiety are contagious. How about that? Wow. I mean, when so, you put it that plainly, it makes it makes so much sense. But right. um, my, my gosh, yeah. And, and again, these are things that we can think of examples in our lives and just think of day to day as humans, you know, instead of rebuffing this information and, and just assuming that uh, the, the greater message means that this all must not be true. I mean, just th think about it. Think about the way that your body responds to things. Think, think about the experiences that you've had and, and think about how all of this makes a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, fear and anxiety, those are just very strong emotions and emotions are contagious, good or bad. You know, if you're in a room full of people and everyone is, you know, joyful and happy and, you know, it's all positive and up, you kind of get up, you know, caught up in that current and you feel good, right? For you sure. kind of pick For up sure. on the That's energy. How I got through, and, and like if, over a decade of waiting tables was just realizing that anytime you smile at someone, they will smile back at you. You smile and walk through a whole restaurant, right. whole restaurant is smiling every time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So you can have an effect by how you demonstrate um, your, you know, yourself to be your, you know, especially if there's strong emotion around it. So in principle, pseudo infectious people could be quote unquote cured by mere information. Isn't that interesting? All right. Last paragraph in this article. Due to the negative news, some people start to believe in a threat. 
This threat evokes fear and begins to spread in society. Symptoms can also spread. The spread of emotions through groups is called contagion. Once anxiety has spread and the majority of a group behaves in a certain way, there is the phenomenon of conformity. For example, social pressure makes individuals behave in the same way as other members of the group. In the end, there may be a phenomenon that has been called emergent norms, which is when a group establishes a norm, everyone ends up following that norm. For example, if a group decides to um, wear masks, everyone agrees to that norm. Emergent norms may explain the later stages of contagion. Contagion by fear can lead people to overreact strongly in a situation. So, <clears throat> I mean, can I tell you what really blew my mind there is that the definition of contagion is about people's feelings. It has nothing to do with medical symptoms or, you know, my, my cough is contagious. No, your, your fear of catching a cough is contagious. Like, wow. Right. The power of the mind. Right. The fear is contagious. The anxiety is contagious. Exactly. So when you are sitting around thinking about, you know, having anxiety over, you know, if you, if you're going to get sick, if you may catch a virus, if you, you know, how are you going to get through things? Um, and you're wondering, how can I get healthier? The most important thing that you can do is bulletproof your mindset. Eat well, of course. Exercise, of course. That is not new information. Everyone knows that, and you should be doing it. But more importantly is bulletproofing your mindset. Our thoughts and beliefs are very, very real things. They generate emotion. And so when we are fueled with this heightened emotion, we have a recipe for a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that means whether it's something positive and good or negative and not so good. The power of our minds and the belief that all disease begins in the mind has been written about by our earliest spiritual teachers, our philosophers, um, along the line with many of our most well-known doctors and scientists. So this isn't like woo-woo stuff that some, you know, new age people just made up. <laughs> it's, it's been, it's ageless. In fact, in his book, um, Ageless Body, Timeless Mind, Deepak Chopra said, wherever thought goes, a chemical goes with it. Now, which is true, those chemicals then affect the way that you feel and they affect your health. In the Bible, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't know. I, I think that like, I'll take that seriously. <laughs> I'll take yeah, that this, seriously. This really speaks to me. I was just uh, listening to someone who referred to it as they were talking about thought forms and that um, mm -hmm. a thought really is a thing. And so if you think it so many times, it just has to manifest and become, um, you know, a tangible thing. And I mean, that, again, that just makes sense to me, you know? Yeah, it does. And, and it's especially when it's a thought that you dwell on 
and you dwell on it with emotion behind it. That's where the power is. It's the consistent dwelling in the emotion, and then it's going to manifest itself in some way, shape, or form. Um, for those uh, viewers or listeners that are um, students of A Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles talks at great length about the root cause of sickness and disease beginning in the mind. Um, one of the quotes is, for sickness is an election, it's a decision. That's powerful. Uh, another one is, if it is a decision, it is the mind and not the body that makes it. So it's not your body deciding it's going to be sick or your body saying, oh, I caught that thing from that person and now I'm going to be sick. It's the reverse. Dr. Joe Dispenza has written many books on the placebo and talks about nocebo effects. Um, you Are the Placebo is one of his that I love and it's amazing and it really lays this all out in great detail and um, backs it up with all kinds of studies that have been done and it's really, really eye-opening. It's a phenomenal read. And of course, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he has uh, written several books too. Um, the one I love of his is The Biology of Belief. So talking about how your beliefs affect your biology. So I think for anyone out there that is still um, maybe a little disconnected from their own bodies, they don't realize that the power that their mind has over how their body functions and how, you know, if it's going to heal, if it's going to be energetic, if it's going to be well, if it's going to be sick, there's a very direct there's a direct connection there. So the more you understand about the power of your mind, the more you will be able to maintain and improve your health status. So I would highly recommend any of those books and uh, or you know audiobooks or whatever because you will be blown away by what you can learn about how much power you have over your own health. Wow. What yeah, do you think about that? See that at the beginning we felt so we were talking about how kind of like there's a lack of hope or or you know I think I use the word misery a little bit that's just one of my favorite words uh, because it's very dramatic <laughs> but but you know where we're getting to here at the end here there is so much hope and you are we are in the driver's seat it, we're not victims of circumstance of all these things that are happening around us or to us it's it's in our control to take the growth opportunities and make our lives better make ourselves better and therefore make everyone around us and our environment better. I mean, it, it really, at the end of the day, Lori, you, you kind of make it seem pretty simple. Well, you know what? It is simple. It's, it's, it can be difficult. It's not easy all the time, if, especially if this is something that's new for someone and they have to start practicing, you know, this whole concept because it is a practice, but it's not complicated. That's for sure. So I, I just want to really implore everyone to understand this, that our beliefs are powerful enough to bring about the very things that we don't want to happen. So a negative, um, weak, or victim mindset, it vibrates at a low frequency. And positive, empowered mindset vibrates at a higher frequency. So when we, when we wholeheartedly believe something and we support it with the fuel of our emotion, 
then we put ourselves in the vibrational state that attracts to us events and people and issues and conditions that are vibrating at the same frequency. So it's like they say, like attracts like. So one of the most important things, again, that you can do to improve your health is to alleviate fear and anxiety by bulletproofing your mindset. And we do that by shifting the disempowering thought patterns that keep us stuck in fear. And to get unstuck, right, we have to generate the shift first in ourselves. And that always begins in the mind. So hopefully that inspires everyone to think about their health in a little bit of a different way and maybe uh, do a little bit of research and homework and, and start to learn more about the power of your mind and the power of your body to he heal itself. But you've got to start up here in your head. Yeah, it's not two separate entities within us. They're working together. Yes, your body will listen to what your mind tells it to do. Well, then we as better bulletproof that mindset. <laughs> Yeah, as long as you have your mind working for you properly. Exactly. You have to be the master of it. All right. So hopefully you guys have some good tips for today and some new ways to think about health and alleviating some anxiety. Um, that's it. We're going to wrap it up short and sweet today. So thank you everybody for hanging out with Christy and I. And uh, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss any of the good shift we're we're sharing here for next week. Uh, give us a rating and um, write a review because that inspires other people to listen as well. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Oh, stay healthy. <laughs> stay out of the fear zone and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. You too, Gary Vee.